Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the girls and boys NSAA High School Soccer Championships from Morrison Stadium at Creighton University. Tuesday, May 14th, see Class B boys at 5.30 p.m. Central and Class A boys at 8 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Long triple for RJ. Why not? One more. RJ Davis is up to 36 points. He has got 23 in the second half. He teed it in off the timeout to Furphy. Tight ropes the baseline, kicks back to Harris with five to shoot. Harris splits two defenders, kicks back. Furphy to beat the buzzer. Got it! Johnny Furphy rips the cords. Kicking off hour number two here on Herd Out Sports Radio on AM 590 ESPN Omaha and ESPN Tri-Cities. I'm Ravi Lula, Andrew Rogers here with you as well. We are very pleased to be joined now on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline by Joe Lenardi, ESPN Bracketologist. Joe, how are you this morning? I'm fine, fellas. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Terrific to have you on as well. Uh, Joe, been following your work on bracketology for a very long time, so really excited to talk to you. Uh, I'm curious, kind of at this point in the season where the resumes are starting to take pretty good shape, but there's still a lot of work to be done before even the regular season ends, what's, what's the challenge at this point in the year of trying to project what the bracket's going to look like? Sometimes... Uh, it's as simple as uh, staying awake late at night <laughs> or late game. You said, Ravi, you know, you've been following a long time. Uh, and, and whenever I hear something like that, the word old comes to mind. Way to go, Ravi. Now he's never going to come back. And, well, I mean, y- you know, I have a wife to neglect, and she reminds me regularly. <laughs> You know, that I've been doing this a long time, and and sometimes she'll just use the word straight out, old, and, you know, other other synonyms. No, I mean, look, look, we're we're talking about a a dynamic process, a very fluid process, you know, in the quote-unquote old days when, you know, you'd put up one bracket a week on Mm ESPN.com, fold your hands, and, and... come back and look at it again next Sunday as a snapshot, you know, it was a different way of, of going about things than, than is the case today. Uh, you know, now, from the first night of the season until the last, uh, I have a 1-68 to updated seed list based on that day's results, and it, it kind of requires paying attention not to every team in the country, but to the top Hundred or 120 or so that that we're tracking at, at any one point, you know, because now we're into conference play. So in the in a quote unquote one bid leagues, you know, those first place teams can change on a day to day basis. So you know, it, it it's it's far from undoable. Like obviously it's doable. I do it. A lot of people <laughs> do it, and a lot of people are really good at it. Uh, and and 
you know, the biggest challenge for me has always been just making sure to stay current Mm. because, you know, I've learned the hard way. Once you fall a day or two behind, it's really hard to recreate. And, and, and that's when, frankly, that's when you make mistakes or at least make yourself prone to, to being off target. Uh, so that's a little inside baseball and, uh, you know, that's what I do for a living for four months. Joe, everybody loves upsets, including me. And, you know, the stories that people remember are those teams that make upset runs like St. Peter's or Dayton from years ago. If you're kind of looking at the bracket, if it started today, who would be some of those tournament sleepers that you think could make a run based on the way they're playing basketball right now? I think there's, at the end of the day, there's two kinds of sleepers. You know, there's the St. Peter's out of the blue, out of nowhere sleeper. Mm-hmm. And then there's, then there's you know, typically, like, I'll call it, it's primary day, right, in, on the East Coast, a down-ballot team in a major conference. Mm-hmm. Right? And for the sake of argument, and since I know what area code called me, <laughs> I'm going to say Nebraska. Okay? <laughs> All right. All right, see, you know, I've been doing this for a while. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, let, let's, let's be honest. No one can pick a St. Peter's in advance. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe a Loyola Chicago, you know, that was whatever, 30 and 2 the year, you know, they rode that great point guard play from Sister Jean all the way to the Final Four. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, anybody who'd seen them knew they were really good basketball team. But, but like, we're going to have a team or two in the Final Four. Now, last year it happened to be Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. That caught people off guard. I would put Florida Atlantic in, in kind of the Loyola-Chicago category. Mm-hmm. Because if you had seen them last year in Conference USA, now in the American, you'd say, hey, they're good. Mm-hmm. And they have great guards. And they're experienced. So, you know, sure they could get on a run. Uh, now, San Diego State, while not in a Power 5 conference, if you will, you know, was in a four-bid league. So, so they fall more into the Nebraska category, I think, of, you know, a down-ballot team that, you know, maybe got hot at the right time. Now, can, can Nebraska be that team this year? Can Indiana State be that team in the, in the St. Peter's category or, or, or Grand Canyon? Mm. You know, uh, uh, it's, not a, it's not out on a limb to, to talk about Princeton. I mean, they've only lost one game. And they were in the Sweet 16 last year as a 15, right? Beating, I want to say, Missouri and then – or Arizona and then Missouri, I think. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, somebody's going to win two games that first weekend that nobody's talking about. Uh, uh, so, so I tend to look at teams, you know, that are older, 
that maybe have great guards, have some experience in tight spots. Uh, and, you know, my own kind of personal bias in these things is I look at teams that have posted some big wins away from home. Mm. Because unless they change the rules back, <laughs> you know, you're not playing any home games in the tournament. And you're going to ask me, you know, what does Nebraska have to do? And I'm going to say they have to pick up a couple road games here and there in the league because unless unless they do that, they're going to stay at 500. Hmm. <laughs> and, you know, that means they're on the bubble. We're talking with Joe Lenardi, ESPN bracketologist. Joe, well, one of the big narratives this year has kind of been – how there's not really a dominant team, how there's, you know, a lot of parity in at the top of college basketball this year. Um, you know, you could you can make that argument, but I also think you can look at kind of the resumes of a of a UConn and Purdue and say, you know, that though they seem to be pretty clearly a cut above maybe everyone else. As you kind of put together, I know you said you do your, your seed list one through sixty eight um, all the time. Like, as you are, where do you see a gap between those two, or do you think there is kind of that parity in the top 20 or so teams in the country that people have been talking about all year? No, I think there is separation, uh, especially in the case of Purdue. Now, you know, the quote-unquote eye test, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, not, not something that I've ever subscribed to, because it's less and less of the committee's process every year, it seems, from my seat. Uh, I, I think basketball-wise, Purdue and UConn are, uh, I don't want to say a cut above, but, you know, they, they're on a different rung of the ladder, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, and in terms of resumes, which is, you know, how we determine seed order, if you will, it's a one-team race. Like, Purdue's resume is historically great for this point of the season. Like, at this point, UConn in the two spot uh, is, is further away from Purdue almost than it is from the beginning of the low twos and high threes. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, Purdue's resume is extraordinary. Now, I, I'm guessing the folks who went to the game uh, in, in, in Lincoln would have a different opinion. <laughs> but, you know, seven quad one wins over half of them in what we call quad one A, which is the top half of quad one. And that's something that's, that's become an issue in recent years to try and separate, you know, the best from the very best if you will. And and I mean, quad one and quad two, they're 11 and two. No, no one's close to that. Yeah. Their metrics are off the chart. And, like, they could leave the country for a week <laughs> and still be the number one overall seed. Uh, Joe, you know. And I- having been to West Lafayette, you know, perhaps they already have. <laughs> Joe, I 
We built our way too early Final Fours. When was that, Robbie? Two November, months ago? I November? Think. Yeah, um, I think so. Well, better that than July, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, between Robbie and I, it's never too early to pick a Final Four. Um, but, you know, when, know we, the feeling. when we drew up our Final Fours, uh, I threw Texas into mine because I, I really like how they finished last season. I loved what uh, they kind of did um, in the transfer they portal. Added they added nicely. Got, yeah, sure. they got Max Acemus. You talk about good guard play. They got Acemus. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of Texas right now? Because uh, as I'm looking over the bracketology, I don't know, maybe I just skipped over them because I'm looking quickly, but I didn't, didn't see, see him. I didn't see Texas on there. And, you know, I was in Vegas this past weekend, and they were 90-1 mm. to 1 to win the national title. What do you think of Texas? Well, I think it's important to note, you know, like uh, in bracketology, like in Caddyshack, there's no gambling at Bushwood. <laughs> so, so I don't, you know, I, I would never say that that's an excellent bet at 90-1. to 1. Uh, I would clear my throat real loudly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, they've underperformed right uh, to, to this point, and I think in today's new bracket, they're all the way up to next four out, which means they're between five and eight spots away from the at-large cut line. Uh, and their aspirations were certainly much, much greater than that, and still could be. The problem is in that league, I mean, once you're behind the curve, you, you know, you're fighting a fight every week just to go one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And and they need to do better than that to move up. And I do think they'll ultimately make it and that talent will prevail. But, I mean, you know, they might be like 10-11 kind of team. Uh, and, yeah, they could be the team that gets hot, but – too inconsistent for my case and you know sometimes the whole is not equal to the sum of the parts uh and we tend to admire the opposite when teams quote unquote overachieve because they appear to be getting the most out of their talent uh but you know what's still to be learned in this portal era is you know sometimes all-star teams aren't very good Mm. because they're not the right fit and they haven't grown and played together you know i'm not there every day i don't know i don't see every minute of every texas game uh i can only go by the results and the results tell me that you know even if they make it you know they're not likely to string multiple wins together in the tournament talk with joe lenardi of espn the godfather of bracketology i think i called you earlier um Joe, I'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about Creighton here. You've got him as a four seed in your uh, in your bracketology that's currently up on ESPN. Um, as you've seen them play this year, and as you kind of look at their schedule and what's left for them in terms of opportunities, what do you think the ceiling is for this Creighton team in terms of seed line? Yeah, I do see them a lot. You know, I live outside of Philly, so I have you know, going over in the Big East on the brain a fair amount of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, even without that, let's be honest, the, compete, the Big East is a pretty compelling story this year all the way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, if we didn't already know, it was proven last week, they're not in UConn's class. They're in the next tier. Mm-hmm. 
but but I think that's more a statement about UConn than it is about Creighton, right? Yeah. Like, you know, if Creighton and Marquette played a best of seven on a neutral court, it would go to the last possession of the seventh game. Yeah, I think I agree. And and you know they've been they've been sliding right between the four and five lines here for the better part of January. I don't think they've been above that or below it. Uh, and you know what would it take to to get a winning streak, right? Because like a four game winning streak in that league is going to make them a three seed, and I think that's probably the ceiling because mm-hmm. they're still going to take some losses. Uh, you know they only play UConn one more time, right? That's at home, possible win, but they've got other road games that could flip against them. Uh, and but 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 I I I see, and and maybe I'm a little bit biased because I know some of the people and I like them. Uh, I I think their best basketball is still in front of them, and and I don't think that the UConn game was really indicative of who they are. I think UConn had a great night defensively, and you know. Let's face it, Creighton's built to outscore you, and if they're off offensively, they're going to lose by double digits. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, this is not the 85 Bears defense out there we're talking about. <laughs> Joe, uh, y- you know, it's impossible for Creighton to ever play their first round game in Omaha, but it isn't impossible to think about Nebraska. Uh, how realistic do you think that Nebraska could be playing a first round game? in Omaha, like, do you think it's a stroke of luck or, or, or it's high probability? Uh, it's almost entirely a stroke of luck at their seed range. Mm. If they were a top three seed, uh, they would, they would, you know, kind of con- not control, but they'd have much more uh, influence over their geographic destiny, if you will. Uh, and and here's here's the other thing to remember, like Omaha, by in all likelihood, is going to be the home uh, in the tournament of the Big Twelve winner and the Big Twelve runner-up. Hmm. So let's call that a one and a two seed, okay? So we know by mere bracketing rules, in the same. Four-team grouping with a one is going to be an eight, nine, and a sixteen, mm-hmm. right? So they're they're not going to be a sixteen if they're in. They could be in eight, nine, so that could happen. And then with a two, it's the same deal: two, seven, ten, fifteen. So they could be in that spot, but not if the one or a two is from the Big Ten, right? Mm-hmm. Like they can't be an eight or a nine with Purdue. Right, and you know they can't be a seven or a ten with Illinois if Illinois is a two, or some other big, or Wisconsin's a two. Let's say so. Uh, yeah, it it would be a it would be a stroke of luck. It happens, it happens, but it's like I I, I wouldn't be booking a steak dinner downtown <laughs> if I were a Nebraska fan. <laughs> I mean, you should book a steak dinner downtown just, anyway, just regardless. For fun. But, uh, well, I, I'm just saying, like, when I come to Omaha, and I do like Omaha, 
you know, like you're not coming for the crab cakes. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. Ravi's got the restaurant for you. We'll send it over your way. Yeah, next time you're in town, Joe, hit us up. I got a place right. to send you. Um, my For my money, the, the best place in town. But, uh, Joe, so I got to ask you this. We've we got a few minutes left here with you. Um, this is kind of a pet peeve of mine, and I'm sure you've got more insight to it than I do. Not my fault. It's not my fault. <laughs> no, it's not your fault. It's, I, it's, it's a bone I have to pick with the committee, but I would like your insight on it. So it seems like in the last handful of years maybe a little bit longer than that you know i i grew up uh, obviously a creighton fan in omaha and so that was missouri valley the mid-majors are, are near and dear to my heart it seems like the committee has shifted away um maybe from giving some mid-majors some extra opportunities and as you mentioned given some of those down ballot major conference teams more of those at large bids do you was that a conscious decision on their part? Is it just kind of how the metrics changed and it favored those teams, or are they just out to get the little guy? Uh, they're not out to get the little guy. I don't believe that. Uh, I was a little tongue in cheek, uh, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But you know, like I have to be, fair, and I'm I'm in a little guy, you know, frame of reference also, uh, in more ways. Than, than one. I am taller on TV maybe than in real life. But but I, I do think that, and, and this is going to have to be addressed as we move forward to conferences that are even bigger and bigger, like I don't think the world is a better place if at 6 and 12 in the Big 12 West Virginia makes the tournament. Exactly. Or right. yeah. at, at, at 7 and 11, Oklahoma makes the tournament like if if there's been any intentional squeezing like the team sheets completely ignore conferences which they should but they com- also completely ignore conference record which to me is silly mm. uh, be- because it's it's 60 percent of your season right I think how you can now they'll say we treat every team as an independent blah blah blah, but like like that's the same way as saying if we're voting for the baseball hall of fame we're going to evaluate the good glove shortstops the same way we evaluate the slugging left fielders, right? They're different things, mm-hmm. and we're looking for different achievements in each category and. All I know is, while each season is its own entity and each team needs to be evaluated that way, if you look over a period of 10 or 15 or 20 years and study it, and hypothetically, I might be the kind of nerd who's done this, (laughs) I know that, you know, in that 10, 11, 12 seed range, which is where these bubble majors, middling majors, and... The, the 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 second Missouri Valley team, for instance, might fall. Mm-hmm. That over a period of years, the high end mid majors get half the bids than the middling majors, worse seeding on average, but win twice as often. Oof. Okay. And there's a pretty simple reason for that, and it is they're better. At basketball. (laughs) And one of these days, one of these days, we'll break through the noise and and make that known. I think there should be 
a minimum like ball eligibility. I think there should be some standard of tournament eligibility. Mm. And it's already heading south because we're going to have sub-500 teams more and more in their league as leagues get bigger. So let's come up with something else. And it would also add a lot more juice to championship week, but that's the programmer in me, and that's for another time. No doubt. <laughs> that is Joe Lenardi, ESPN Bracketologist, preaching to the choir, give mid-majors more bids. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Joe, thank you. See you guys. Thanks.